Welcome to SVCC Weekly, a weekly podcast from Sangman Valley Christian Center in Muhammad, Illinois. We hope you enjoy this message from our church, and be sure to check us out online at www.sangmanvalley.net. Ahead. Part of uh, what I want us to do today as we go through kind of the beginning of a new series, and the series is going to be called uh, Firsts. You know, sometimes there are things we have to remember in life, things that we need to have at the top of our priority list. Firsts, uh, things that, uh, you know, kind of like this. When you go to the store and your your wife tells you, um, remember, pick up dish soap. Remember, pick up diapers. Remember, buy me a candy bar. Well, that's what my wife says. Um, Kids, you, your parents may tell you, especially as you get, have gotten older and you come home, your parents say, remember when you get home, clean your room, right? There are things you're supposed to remember, things that you're supposed to even do first. You, you're to accomplish usually your homework first before you turn on the TV. Scripture uses that phrase even from time to time. I find it interesting that God remembered. God remembered something Maybe it causes us to wonder, did God forget something? I don't think he really forgets something. But it does use the phrase, God remembered. It's usually before as God is acting, that God remembered. A few examples, Noah and the ark with the animals, it, it tells us that God remembered them. Abraham's nephew Lot, when he is saved, it says God remembered. Rachel, when her womb is open and she conceives Joseph who God used to save his people from famine and bring them to Egypt, says God remembered. Then when God's people, the Israelites, are there in Egypt, when they are, when Joseph is forgotten and a new leader arises and that leader doesn't know Joseph, he enslaves God's people. And it says God remembered Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Today we're going to remember what our mission, what our vision is as a church. From time to time, that's important. It's things that we need to remember that we put first. What are we about? What are we doing? Things that we consider first before we add on even other activities, other things that we do. And today, as we look at what we are going to remember, what we are going to put first, we are going to look at it not just in the context of Sangman Valley Christian Center. But everything we do, we try to do do from the rule and the principles that Scripture lays out. And so we're really going to look at the mission and vision first from Scripture. What is God's mission and vision for the church? Not just a local church like Sangamon Valley Christian Center, but the church. God gives us that direction in Scripture. Once in a while, somebody asked me, what's the vision of your church? I said, well, it's right there in Scripture. No, 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 no. What's the vision that you have? I said, no, 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 no. What's the vision in Scripture that God has? That's the vision. That's the mission that we want to follow. And so we're going to look at that today. Part of what we're doing, and maybe the theme verse, which will become even more clear as the weeks go on, uh, and really where I get the title for our message today is out of Matthew 6.33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his covenant ways. And then all these things will be added unto you. In other words, there's things that we need to seek first. Obviously, first being the kingdom of God. 
So what we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks with some other things happening in between is really putting first the kingdom of God, the mission, the vision that scripture gives to the church of Jesus is really about putting the kingdom of God first in all areas, all areas of our individual lives, but also collectively as Sangamon Valley Christians there, and also what I believe the church around the world is called to. If you want to go to Luke 4, 18 to 21, we're going to start off by looking at the mission of Jesus specifically. We're going to look at the mission of Jesus. We're going to look at how Jesus fulfilled that mission. We're going to look at the mission then of the church and then the vision of the church. But we're going to start off with what I call the mission of Jesus, the mission of Jesus. And in Luke 4, 18 to 20, not 21, hopefully a very familiar portion of scripture, we have here after Jesus has been anointed at his baptism, really that is where Jesus is made known that he is the king, that he is the son of God. In fact, it's there that we have what we call the Trinity evident. We have the son being baptized by his cousin John, who we call the baptizer, John the Baptist, baptizing Jesus. Jesus comes up and the heavens open, the spirit descends upon him as a dove. So we have the son, we have the spirit, and then the voice, the father from heaven speaking, saying, this is my beloved son. It's this recognition of who Jesus is, the kind of the start now of his ministry. And from there, if you know the story, Jesus goes into the wilderness, he's He's tested, he's tempted by the devil, and then he comes out and he kind of goes back to his, his home region, makes his way back there, and here in Luke, Jesus goes into the temple, he goes into an area where people were very familiar with him, they had seen him grow up, and he reads from Isaiah. He picks up the scroll and he reads from Isaiah, and so here in Luke four eighteen to 21, the first part is literally Jesus quoting, reading from Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were upon, or fixed upon him. Sorry, not the temple. I confused the two. Synagogue, the local expression of the temple. And all the eyes in there were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. If you would read on there, then they, they kind of tried to run him out of town and kill him. Uh, and God doesn't allow that to happen because it's not the time for that. But they are worked up. Because he's reading scripture? No. Because they know he's applying the scripture from Isaiah to himself. They, Jesus is really saying, look, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, being Jesus. Because he's anointed me, being Jesus, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, being Jesus, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is saying, look, this is what I have come to do. And then he sits down. They look at him, I'm sure intently. And he says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The time is now. Now, if you jump ahead just a few chapters to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, and jump down to verse 21. Luke 7, verse 21. 
I may have you jump back up. Let me open it myself and see here. You have here uh, Jesus coming and, and John sending his disciples to him. And verse 19, it's important to note there that so they come and they say, are, are you the coming one? Are you the expected one? Or do we, do we look for another? Now remember, as they're asking that, as they're asking, are you the expected one? Are, are you the one we're expecting? This is his cousin asking. The one who was at his water baptism, as we would call it, but really his coronation as, as king, God recognizing, look, this is the true king of kings and lord of lords, God the father, recognizing God the son. John was there when Jesus came up out of the waters, the heavens open, and the voice from heaven speaks, and he's now coming and saying, are you really the one, the expected one? He sends his disciples to ask that. Get down to verse 21, it says, and at that very hour, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. And then Jesus answered to them. So in other words, he, he heals people. He sets the, the captives free. And then he says to them in verse 22, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began then to speak to the crowds concerning John. It's interesting that Jesus lays out his mission just a few chapters before, quoting from John, and they're so in an uproar about it that they try to kill him. And yet it wasn't his time to die, and so he, he leaves. And just a few chapters later, as Luke lays out the story, John now sends his disciples and say, look, are you really the one? Because Jesus wasn't showing up and doing what they expected. Yes, he was healing people. He was setting the captives free, but it wasn't the timing for that. It was the mercy of God being poured out before judgment was given. They really were expecting judgment to come, and then... Just Israel would receive the mercy of God. But Jesus tells us here that this is his mission. And this is also what we see the mission fulfilled. Now, the interesting thing to me is Jesus clearly headed towards the cross. The cross is significant. The resurrection is significant. But it tells us here as Luke lays it out and Matthew does in a similar fashion. That as Jesus is doing this, it's really his mission being fulfilled even before the cross and yet we know jesus still had to go to the cross because satan continues to come just like he did in the wilderness and try to prevent him from going to the cross jesus mission i think we first have to consider what jesus mission was to come proclaim good news to the poor find it interesting we know jesus proclaimed good news to the rich in fact he told him you got to sell everything you have in part because they were you probably had everything that they owned, all the riches, and it was idolatry for them. And Jesus doesn't say, no, go, go to the rich. He says, go to the poor. Go to the poor. Where else does he go? He goes to those who are lame, those who cannot hear, those whose society at the time probably thought very little of. And yet, what is Jesus' mission? To go to them. Now, the next thing I want us to look at, 
So we've looked at Jesus' mission, Jesus' mission really being fulfilled as Luke lays it out here. I think we also need to consider then the mission, although Jesus' mission plays into this, there's very specific mission that it is passed on to you and me as the church, really passed on to every church that follows and believes in Scripture. And although all the New Testament, I think, emphasizes this, I think the important thing for us to look at today, and I'm going to do it quickly uh, because it is summer and I know you want to go on and enjoy the fellowship side of church, Uh, But the mission of his church, I believe, very specifically, and the easiest way to look at it is laid out at the end of each of the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you go to the end of each of those books, there's some very specific instructions given to the church. We often just focus on what we call the Great Commission. Where's the Great Commission located? What book of the Bible? Matthew. Okay, some of you had Sunday school, some of us didn't. But Matthew, the Great Commission, but... We also have to remember that at the end of each book, Jesus really gives some instructions that are just like what is given in Matthew. Matthew maybe is a good summary of it, but we have to, I think, consider all of the instructions at the end of each book. They're really kind of a conclusion, we could say, a summary of Jesus' life that is now passed on to the church. And in fact, if we go to the book of Acts, we go to the letters, we actually see each of these playing out. So what the church actually did. But here in Matthew... Matthew 28, 18 to 19, it says, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations. That's why we focus from time to time and, and actually really typically the third Sunday of each month, we take a few minutes to focus on world missions, to get outside of just ourselves here. We have to have a focus on the world because God said, go and make disciples of all nations. But also, if you go back into the, to the Greek, really, the best way to understand that is Jesus saying, going or as you go, make disciples. Because some people look at that and say, okay, it says go and make disciples of the nations. Eh, I'm not really called to go to another nations. I'm out of it. I don't have to worry about it. No, really, if you get into the Greek, it's as you're going. In other words, wherever you're going, you should be making disciples. Wherever God has placed you. In some places, that is literally he's going to take you to the nations. Sometimes he's going to bring the nations to you. But wherever you are, make disciples of everyone. And how do you do that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe that's referring to water baptism there, that baptism of recognizing the repentance each one has made. And then verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew, the most familiar one. But Mark, we've studied this fairly recently. The end of Mark also has instructions for each of us. Mark 16, 15 to 18, and Jesus said to them, Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel, the good news, to the whole creation. Similar to Matthew's. Going into all the world, proclaim the good news to everyone, all creation. Verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons We read the book of Acts, we see that happening. Today, we see that happening in the church. They will speak in new tongues. The book of Acts, do we see that happening? Yes. Today, do we see that happening? Yes. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And do we see that happening today? And not so much. Does it happen? And we probably don't hear about it, probably. Do we see it in the book of Acts happening? Yep. 
If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Do we see that happening? I believe so. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Do we see that happening both in Acts and today? Yes. We've prayed for many people that have, over the past few months, have been given clear reports of cancer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. We see it happening. Luke also gives us part of the mission of the church. So we have in Matthew, go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. We have in Mark, go into all the world, proclaim the good news. And then these signs will follow those who believe. And Luke, what does Luke tell us? Luke 24, 46 to 49 says, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed. Another one of those proclamation ones like we see in Matthew and Mark. Proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. If you remember Luke and Acts really go together. It's part one and part two. And so here Luke is saying, wait, the promise of the Holy Spirit is coming. On Pentecost, the birthday of the church, is when that happened. They were clothed with on, power from on high, and Acts 1.8 tells us they were to be empowered by the Spirit and go out as empowered witnesses. And then we see that happening from Acts on. Proclaim but also be clothed with power from on high. Then if you go to John, John 21, verse 22, Jesus giving instructions again at the end of his life, just as he's done in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they each kind of say it a little different way, but they're each summarizing what Jesus has said. Here at the end of John, Jesus is going back and forth with Peter, back and forth with him. And it is in here in this back and forth that Jesus gives clear instruction and really kind of the same instructions that was given at the beginning. So Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? In other words, Peter, they're talking about somebody else. And Jesus gives him this instruction. I believe this instruction applies to all of us today as well. He says, you follow me. You follow me. See, the mission of the church, I believe there's both a, a personal call to be a follower. Are you actually following Jesus? Individually, we have to make that decision, that we are to be a follower of Jesus. I hope every single one of us in this room have made that decision, to be a follower of Jesus, to recognize that he is the Son of God, that he is the coming one, the expected one the Christ, the Messiah. But we also aren't just to be a follower. We're also, there's a call to do something, a call to proclaim the gospel to everybody, everywhere you go. There's a call both to be a follower as well as a call to, to do something. That's part of our mission as a church. But what's the vision in Scripture? What's the vision that Jesus gives to the church? He gives them a clear mission. You want the long version? You read each of those accounts at the end. You want the sh short version? 
be a follower of Jesus and reach out. That's how we say it as a church. Be a follower of Jesus. We're following Jesus and reaching out. That's the mission. But what's the vision? What's the vision that Jesus gives to his church? Not just Sangman Valley Christian Center, but his church. I think God will make it clear. I think in scripture he has made it clear. It's why I continue to go back to it anytime people really ask me, what's the vision of the church? In part because Proverbs, God says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraints, but blessed is he who keeps the law or follows what God has said. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraints. So I'm pretty sure God left us with a clear vision. Habakkuk 2.2 also talks about vision. It says, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Write it. Make it plain on tablets. So he may run who reads it. So he may run who reads it. Well, here's what that probably means. They would often write the, the, the vision, what the revelation really is what vision probably means here from God. Write it down. Put it on big tablets so as the person that is running through town, they can see it and continue the message on. That he may run who reads it. You and I need to have a clear understanding of what the, the mission of the churches and when i'm saying the church i'm trying to emphasize that so you understand that is the church around the world the church as well as the vision god has for the church he's making it clear so that we may run with it the revelation that god gave to us that i believe was given very specifically in the gospels as well and i'm just going to look primarily at one account of that from the gospels and we'll look at the letter of first peter Matthew 16, 18, Jesus begins to tell them what is the vision of the church. Today, corporations, companies, they often sit down and write, what's the mission, what's the vision? In fact, during the, the church growth era, which is seminars and things, people still kind of have the day, they, they did a similar idea. You better have a mission for your church, you better have a vision for the church. That's why people ask that from time to time. They've heard that that is part of how a church grows. You go to those classes, write down the mission, write down, down the vision. Okay, we can put that in our own words, but it better again be based on what God's word tells us if we're following him. But the mission is what are we about? What are we doing? Well, here we're about following Jesus and reaching out. That's how we say it. We can go and lead the, the long version of that in each of the end of the gospels as we just did. What's the vision though? The vision is what you are to see. Now, some people have this, okay, well, what's your, your dream? Like, we just dream up something, and sometimes people do that. You sit down, I want to own a, I dream of a big yacht. Oh, a big yacht. I can go out on the water. Some of you are thinking, oh, I get ocean sickness. Fine, whatever you want. People think of it that way. Oh, it's just a dream, and it's a humanality, a man-made dream. Man-made. But when God tells us to have a vision, it's the vision that he is giving us. A vision we are to have inside of each of us that we are called to, that we're called to really see. Do we see what God's vision is? And here is, I think, the most basic understanding of it from Matthew 16, 18. It says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And Peter has just confessed who Jesus is. He's recognized. Peter you, you, has declared that Jesus is the Son of God, the Anointed One, the Messiah. 
And Jesus responds to them and, and is really saying, look, upon that confession, Peter, on this rock, that confession, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus says, I will build my church. What's the vision we need to have as a church? Well, it needs to be a vision of what God is building. Do we really see a church that God is building or do we look at a building like this and say, yeah, it's a pretty good looking church. We would drive by other churches and say, yeah, that's a pretty good looking building. Or do we see the vision that God sees, which is much bigger than a building? A nice building. We're in a very nice building. Now, we've had to make some updates through the years, just like you probably do at home from time to time. Make sure it doesn't fall in around us. But is this really the vision of the church? Now, remember the old saying, what was it? That you, how do you do it? Right, I got to do it wrong like this, right? There's the church. Wait, you got to do it like this. Yeah, there's the steeple. Oh, sorry, got to have the doors. Right, open the doors, open signs, see all the people. We don't have a steeple right now, but you literally can go up on the roof and look down and probably see all the people. But a lot of us have to remember that. That's just a... a the building, that's not the building God's referring to. You open the doors, you see all the people. That's what God's talking about. His vision is for people. It's very simple. What's the vision of the church? People. What's the mission about? People. Everything we do is focused upon that, going and making disciples. Following Jesus, helping people to follow Jesus, and reaching out around us. Because the gospel should change our lives. So much so that we long to reach out and better the world around us. Whether those people choose to come to follow Jesus or not, we still need to reach out into the community around us. Many of you do that. We provide opportunities from time to time through different things, like going with Mark and helping move furniture with Empty Tomb. Once a year, we help with the food pantry here in town, just like all the churches take once a month. We have a month that we do in September. Many of you have helped with that. We support other ministries and provide other opportunities for reaching out. Many of you also take that on personally, as I hope all of us would. And you reach out in various ways with neighbors, with family and friends to show the love of God. If you go on into 1 Peter, these will be the last few scriptures we look at today. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 explains this vision of the church Jesus is building, this vision for people, people that would come to know Jesus. 1 Peter 2.5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. So here's that vision again, being built up, this church that God is building, being built up as a spiritual house, not a physical house, spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And you, if you jump down to, to verse 9, it explains that spiritual house more clearly. It says, but you are a chosen race. Not, not meaning that God is picking one race over another. Some of us, especially in the political climate today and what's on TV, may, may have that wrong. 
When it's saying a chosen race, God, God really has broken down the barriers, what Scripture tells us, between Jew and Gentile. There's now to be one people of God. doesn't matter skin color. doesn't matter which line of Abraham's family you came down, which line really of Noah's family you came down. But we are to be a spiritual house, so a chosen race, that all of those people come together, and God has chosen them to be together as one, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Sounds very familiar to what God has been doing all along. Exodus 19.6, before God gives the Ten Commandments, after he's already provided mercy and delivered his people from Egypt, says a similar statement. It says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. What God set out to do long ago, he's now doing through you and me as the church. That's the vision we need to have. A vision that is of a church Jesus is building. Not a building, but that spiritual house that Jesus is building. Which looks a lot like what's described here in 1 Peter 2.9. Where people are chosen. Everyone is special because they are chosen by God. A vision of that priesthood where everyone ministers to God, to one another, and to the world around them. A holy nation or a holy people would probably be easier for us to grasp where everyone is together in the process of really being made whole. God has declared us holy, but we're also in the process of being made whole. Is that the vision that we have of the church? That's the vision I know I have for Sangman Valley Christian Center, but I hope that's the vision all of us have. Now, there may be some other things. You can open up your bulletin and see the statement that we call the, the church we see. It gets maybe a little more specific in there. But everything that we do is based on the mission that Jesus lays out for his church. We just simplify the saying so it's easier to memorize. The mission is following Jesus and reaching out. You need both. Sometimes people just try to reach out and they're not following Jesus. Well, what good does that do? Sometimes people are just following Jesus and they aren't really reaching out. Well, they haven't quite followed Jesus well enough to see that he reached out. You need, we need both. The vision of the church, do we see it as a church Jesus is building? Now, sometimes people play with the idea, and many of us do it around here, especially when you, you have the, the founding pastor uh, of our, our local church that's still here with us. You have Pastor Brent. People say, oh, it's Pastor Brent's church. Or sometimes uh, family members, oh, it's, it's your church. And, and I really think that's okay because it says we're part of what God is doing here. Um, there may be some that would say, oh, you, sh you shouldn't say, say it that way. No, no, it, it really says we are part of this spiritual house that God is building. But we have to recognize that it isn't really us who's in charge. Who is building the church? What does Matthew tell us? Jesus. First and foremost, this is Jesus' church. Jesus is building his church. He says, I will build my church the best thing about that is when we recognize Jesus is building his church. The next part of that verse in Matthew says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why? 
it was your church, my church, and we see this from time to time in local churches even, when it becomes more about the individual, the personal preferences, it's no longer Jesus' church. And we see those churches close. But when Jesus says, I will build my church, church continues to recognize the mission and the vision for God's church, hell cannot prevail against it. Amen. Amen. So as we conclude, two questions for you. Are you, as part of, remember, the church with the steeple, although let's do this since we have no steeple. Open the door, see all the people as the people, both individually and collectively, but let's start with individually. Are you living the mission? Being both a follower of Jesus and reaching out. Both. Second question. Do you see the church belonging to Jesus or do you see it belonging to someone else? Do you see the church belonging to Jesus? See, is Pastor Caleb's church? Now, first and foremost, this is Jesus' church. Jesus' church. Now, I will be honest with you, in our world we are today, we got to get practical sometimes. If you go to the deed on this building, it doesn't have my name, Pastor Brent's name, or God's name, because let's be honest, our legal system can't quite figure that out. Although in insurance, they have acts of God. Um, it's in the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. That's the deed. Just so you know, in case you want to get really technical with me on that. But that's the building here, what we're really trying to understand that it's about the people. And God is building his church with people, chosen people. People that are to be the priesthood, ministering to God, to one another in the world. People that are called to be together in this process of being a holy people, to be a holy people. As we conclude today, we're going to, to pray. And we're going to ask for God to remember his mission. Remember his vision. Because that's what's important. That's what we see in scripture. God remembered really what God had promised and then he acts. So I think from time to time it's okay. We, were, we come in prayer and say, God, this is what your word says. This is what you taught us. Remember it. Because the descriptions in scripture is that's then when God moves. So you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Worship team, you can make your way up here as we pray. God, Remember the mission you have sent each of us on to follow you, to reach out. Lord, to make disciples, to baptize people in your name. Lord, to be believers that as we go, the signs that you've laid out in Mark follow us, the signs we see demonstrated through the rest of the New Testament. Lord, let us be a people that follow you and reach out. God, we also ask that you give us each eyes to see what you are building. Not what we long to see built, but what you are building in your church. Lord, that we may be a place where everyone understands that they are chosen by you and part of this priesthood as a holy people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to SBCC Weekly. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast as well as give us a like. You can visit us again online at www.sangamonvalley.net.